being a trans woman is not a subcategory of womanhood. You can be a cisgender woman or a trans woman, you are both equally women. Hello, welcome back to Speaking Queerly, a podcast hosted by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, an LGBT youth center located in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Mallory, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Civic Engagement and Advocacy Manager for KYC. Hi, I'm Daria. My pronouns are she, they. I'm the Ohio GSA Network Manager at Kaleidoscope Youth Center. My name's Lane. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager at KYC. And my name is Isaiah. I use he and they pronouns, and I'm the Communication and Development Manager. As you can see, the gang's all back together. We've had a couple episodes where we, um, you know, just had a couple of us on, and I thought it would be a good idea for us to regroup, touch base, and just kind of see what's going on. So how's everyone doing? Feeling awesome. All right. (laughs) All right. right. Well, it is a 71-degree day in March in Ohio, so I'm going to try to keep my complaints to a minimum because, I don't know, there's one thing that really sticks out to me from things I learned in kindergarten. I know Lane's going to laugh at me when I start this story, but um, did you ever learn the, the phrase, March goes in like a lion and out like a lamb? No. 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 That's why I, I think that might have just been my kindergarten teacher, but they, my kindergarten teacher taught us that if March goes in like a lion, like very tame weather as opposed to like blizzards and stuff, then it'll go, or if it goes in like a lamb, it'll go out like a lion, like terrible weather, you know? So today oh. I'm kind of like, oh, we're going to jinx this. Anyway. Oh, wow. No. So you think there's going to be like, like weather catastrophes? Yeah, like a blizzard at the end of March when you want the weather to be nice. Oh. We did get the tornado yes, earlier. True. So that That's was the end true. of February. That is true. So. Well, I don't know. Could, could be good, could be bad. <laughs> anyway, all I know is that I'm happy today. Um, I want to know from you all, are there any events that KYC is participating in, hosting, that we want to plug, um, knowing that, you know, this episode's going to air kind of in the middle of March? What's what's happening? Um, I love to plug our GSA summit that we're doing. It's our spring GSA summit titled um, Entirely Us. Um, we've got about 20 to 25 slots open for young people who are either involved, like involved in GSAs or interested in GSAs, um, ages 12 to 20. We also, for any advisors out there that might be listening, we didn't forget about you. We also have a little coffee hour, um, earlier in the morning for about like an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, this GSA summit's going to section, um, or like cover a little bit more about like intersectionality and identity and just hosting, um, different conversations with some of our community partners and some of the people here at KYC. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, I can jump in. So another part of my job, the research part, is uh, I'm leading a needs assessment called the Ohio Thrives Project. Uh, So we're looking at the intersections of LGBTQ identities, developmental disabilities, mental health issues, and then taking a special look at within all of that racial inequality. Um, So there's a whole bunch of different ways for you to participate. We've got a survey that you can take. Uh, You can participate in focus groups and get a $25 Visa gift card. Um, Or if you are a youth serving professional or parent, we would love to hear from you as well. And you can sign up with a stakeholder interview. All of that information is available on our website under the Education and Outreach Department tab. Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah, very nice. Um, and I'll say on the development side, we have some events coming up. Depending upon when this comes out, um, this first event may have already passed, but we're going to be um, reaching out and building community at, at High Banks Distillery. It'll be a great chance to, um, this is now first off, this is a 21 and over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the 12-year-olds hanging out with us. <laughs> 
But um, this is an opportunity to uh, sample what's been um, called some of the best whiskey and some of the best spirits in the U.S. Wow. So you'll get to have a full tasting round, you'll get an extra drink, you'll get um, food and everything. And if this comes out afterwards, you don't have to worry about that because we have some other events that will be happening throughout the spring that we're working to get uh, finalized right now. So just have to say, stay tuned. Awesome. Cool. I might show up at that distillery. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for plugging that. And if you are somebody who wants to contribute to Kaleidoscope Youth Center, if you're maybe not able to make it to some of these in-person events that um, Isaiah just mentioned, you can still support uh, KYC. You can support the podcast by visiting kycohio.org slash donate. You can make a one-time donation. You could also join our unity circle and your contributions will help KYC continue to serve LGBTQIA plus youth um, through programming, community-based wellness, and behavioral health supports or through educational tools like trainings and this podcast. So, uh, let's get into today's episode if everyone's feeling ready. Um, <laughs> I definitely have been feeling a little bit of writer's block coming up with our add-on question, but I think we are ready. Um, I want to know if there was an Olympic sport that doesn't already exist, so we're not talking about like running or swimming, even though I like to talk about those things, um, what would you win the gold medal in and why? I can go first. Okay. Go um, first. It would be filibustering, I think. Just, like, pointless talking. <laughs> um, I feel like I use a lot of words for just something that could be really, really simple and easy. So I could just talk forever, and I think I'd get the gold medal in that one. Nice. So. <laughs> I would, I would listen to your filibuster compared to some other people who weren't saying threaten the filibuster. I know. I would. I feel like mine would be really fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> I support that. Um... Uh, I maybe uh, interstate driving. Oh. I do it a lot. I want to know how you do that. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Isaiah, what what Olympic medal would you win? I think right now I'd have to say I'm all, I've been all about coffee and like for a minute, so we'll probably be drinking um, amount of coffee during the day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I actually need to like right now I have the gold and the diamond. I need to like bring it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Just, just the gold medal's fine. Just <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. How many cups of coffee per day do you think you drink? Um, now I'll do, now like my limit's two, but I also have to make sure like, no, like nothing after 4 p.m. Otherwise yeah. it'll be about mm. like, 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. I respect that. I don't know. I think if I had to pick a sport that I would win an Olympic gold medal in, and I would have said talking, but Derry already took that. Sorry. So I think I'm going to go with like reading books, but that seems kind of boring, right? Maybe not. I, I think if I can really like focus and sit down and like plow through books, I can read pretty quickly. So um, if there was an event that just used like all of your energy and planning skills and brain cells. Oh, yeah. And, like, just going full capacity as a human, you would win that. Right, right. Just, like, juggling the most tasks at yeah. one time. Yeah. I feel like you could also do, like, if there was, like, a competition or, like, a sport for, like, the best, most fun, like, camp counselor. Oh. I yeah. feel like you just, no, there's no point for anybody else to even try at that. Yeah, so. well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, stay 
stay tuned for that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that we will be experiencing Camp Counselor Mallory at some point in the near future. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So. Oh, God, is that like a threat or a promise? Up <laughs> <laughs> uh, for debate. Up for debate. All right. Well, you know, we um, have spent a couple episodes talking about some, you know, really interesting conversations around identity and also just kind of celebrating some like queer joy as well. Um, I hate to be the, the Debbie Downer here and bring things down, but I want to bring to everyone's attention um, some legislation that's been introduced, reintroduced here in Ohio, um, just to make people aware of these things that are happening. And I want to start off by saying like, <sighs> this is not something that like is passing tomorrow. You know what I mean? We were having a conversation in the drop-in center last week with some youth about this. And one person like I'll never get the image out of my mind. They're like visible relief. And I said, oh no, this hasn't passed because they had heard that it had been introduced. And I think they misinterpreted and thought that it had gone into effect. <laughs> and like, rest assured, like we're going to keep fighting the fight. And there are so many other organizations that are doing the same. Um, but if you're somebody who's listening and like wants to take a stance against some of this legislation or, you know, just call your legislator, things like that, um, I want to make sure you're aware of what's going on. So without further ado, um, I, the, the first thing is House Bill 6, which is the quote-unquote Save Women's Sports Act, and I know a lot of people will recognize this from the last General Assembly. I also want to point out it seems like Ohio can't introduce a good House Bill 6. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is not to be confused with the uh, corrupt House Bill 6 that is um, in the news still, but the Save Women's Sports Act is effectively the transgender athlete ban. Um, this was introduced by uh, Representative Jenna Powell, and it's in the Ohio House Higher Education Committee. So if you want to like read the full text of the bill or um, the legislature's website, which is legislature.ohio.gov, actually has a handy feature where you can um, read an analysis of the bill, which the Legislative Service Con Commission actually just like condenses the text so you get like what you need out of the bill without having to read the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So you can find that all on legislature.ohio.gov. Um, but this bill is essentially the same as the bill before. It would prohibit transgender female athletes from participating in high school sports on the women's teams. Um, it would go off of like the sex that these individuals were assigned at birth, meaning that these trans women and girls would have to play sports on the male teams. Um, this bill also takes it to the next level um, compared to the one that was in conversation last General Assembly, and it would prohibit trans women from participating in women's sports at the collegiate level. So any um, school that's affiliated with like the NCAA conferences like that, they would not be able to participate in school sports. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, so this doesn't mention anything about like trans mask or trans male athletes? Correct. You know, trans men could participate in um, women's sports or, you know, men's sports. Like there's no, wow. nothing. That says yeah. that. And also um, that's the other thing too is like cis women could participate in male sports as well. And I think that's already the case in schools. Um, for instance, like when I was in high school, I know I had a lot of friends who couldn't participate in women's tennis because it was a fall sport and they had other conflicting sports, but they participated in men's tennis because it was a spring sport and they didn't have a conflict. That would still be allowed under this bill. Interesting. Um, I have a follow-up question in regards to the college age um, youth. So 
do they have anything when it comes to like specifically I'm thinking like private colleges so not like state schools like is there any way that they plan to enforce that with private universities it actually yeah in in this legislation from my understanding um this would apply to like all schools like private public colleges and universities yeah that sucks <laughs> and, and, and also schools as well so it wouldn't just be like schools that are governed by you know or that are public schools it would be private private as well. school as well mm-hmm. and wow. something to note is that the ohsaa the ohio high school athletic association for the last like almost decade has had a policy in place that has allowed transgender athletes to compete in the sports team that aligns with their gender identity. Um, and you know, of course that has its own set of complications, right? Like they have to have had, um, like hormone treatments for, I believe a year. Um, that, you know, so there's, they have to like go to the doctor and have all these tests and stuff. Right. But of course this policy has been operating functionally for almost a decade and has allowed people to play sports under, you know, the team that they would like to participate with. And there's such a small number of people who have actually like been able to participate or who have actually like wanted to participate under this policy. So it really seems like, you know, folks in the general assembly are just targeting this small population of people. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is just so unnecessary, but even like, it would be better if we could just stay with the original, like what we have, where you have to show your labs. But even that suggests that in order to be a trans person, you have to medically transition, which we know isn't the case. Right. Right. Or that even it's easy to access that form of which that actually segues perfectly. I hate to say that this is perfect, but the segues <laughs> into the, the next piece of legislation that I want to talk about, and that's House Bill 68. And this is the bill that would ban gender affirming care for minors. And again, this is something that was um, in talks and conversation last year. Um, the bill didn't end up passing, of course, but it's been reintroduced um, by. State Representative Gary Click, once again, he's the one who introduced this last General Assembly. Um, This is in the House Health and Human Services Committee. So that's, again, just like the previous bill, you can go on the legislature's website, look up that committee, see the folks who are on that committee. Um, You can also just search House Bill 68 of the 135th General Assembly, and you should find all of that information as well. Um, This is very similar to what was introduced in the past, but also a little bit different. Uh, The summary is that this bill would prohibit physicians from prescribing cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers and from performing any type of gender reassignment surgery on minors. It would prohibit healthcare providers from helping patients receive gender-affirming care in other states. So this one's really interesting and something that wasn't in the previous Um, legislation. So what this means is like if, you know, say this is still legal in New York, um, a, a physician couldn't tell a young person like, I can't provide this, but I'm going to actually refer you to this other provider in another state who would do this. That would be considered aiding and abetting. Um, Which so, sounds really oh similar God. to kind of the like stuff going on with abortion. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Right. So it's, it's interesting when things are... Um, governed at the state level. So you could have some states that outlaw it and some states that don't. And so, you know, of course, when things like abortion or gender affirming care are prohibited, it's prohibited for folks, you know, like folks who are wealthy or who have the means to like take time off school, who have time to take time off work, who have supportive parents who could drive them across state lines. Like there are some folks who still will be able to receive this care, but it's going to affect, of course, the most marginalized amongst Mm -hmm. this population. So, yeah, Um, I do have a question. So 
let's say, so the doctors would not be able to like refer a young person out of state, mm -hmm. but let's say like this young person had a supportive family or the means to get to, let's say like New York, for example, if they go and receive this care, um, is there any like legal repercussion that that doctor could possibly face? Is there a chance for one that the doctor would turn them away because they're from a state where it's illegal or two, would the young person or family when they come back to the state of Ohio be at risk of legal action? That, that's a really good question. And I will give the caveat that I am not a lawyer. I don't have a law <laughs> background. So I'm probably not the best to, to give this specific legal repercussions, um, like a description of that. But I would say that I, under my understanding, if like a family were to just like up and go to New York, California, somewhere where they're able to receive this care, um, those people would not receive any sort of legal repercussions, okay. of course, because like Ohio can't like, you know, criminalize somebody in another state. You know what I mean? This thing is happening mm -hmm. in another state. So they couldn't punish a doctor that is operating its practice in another state, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the family wouldn't necessarily receive any sort of repercussions, but I could be wrong. So if there's somebody who's listening to the podcast who wants to correct me on that, please feel free to, uh, to send me an email. Cause that is a really good question that I'm sure a lot of folks would have. Well, that brings up like, there are specific bills we've seen come out that are trying to criminalize parents that are supportive. Mm, and so yeah. that seems like a different bill and, you know, maybe one of those will come up and we'll see that. But then, also, I think like taking hormones, for example, is a many months long process. And so maybe you can go to California and get a prescription, but can you get it filled in Ohio? Right. And and that I'm not sure. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the policy would be around like shipping these drugs across state lines too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know so there's rules about like doctors being able to prescribe substances across state lines right and testosterone is a controlled substance right but so, you know, yeah that's my only one hormone <laughs> right and and so my my guess is that yeah if you were prescribed these hormones you might not be able to you probably wouldn't be able to receive them in ohio yeah. but if it's something like a like a surgery or something like that like that could happen mm -hmm. across state lines and they're not gonna yeah i think about how this impacts folks that either move to ohio um and have been in like a supportive environment where they've had access mm -hmm. to, to gender affirming care or folks that are trying to move out because I mean let's say that I'm that I know that I'm going to be I'm going to be moving out in July and I and I want my child to feel supported I'm going to try and think about beforehand how can I make sure that my child's going to be able to stay in care right mm -hmm. so I wonder like how this will also impact families that are like trying to a hundred percent. Like you think of, you know, if you're looking for yeah a place to live, like, I don't know if I was a parent, I wouldn't be jumping at the chance to move to Ohio because no. I'd be fearful of like, what if my kid is transgender? What, it, you know, like I want to make sure that they are able to be supported from all aspects. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, because so much of like talk in Ohio about like jobs and business, like the Intel building is popping up mm -hmm. and they're like, Oop, awesome, great opportunities for like Ohioans and whatever. But like how many Ohioans are going to want to stay and how many people are going to want to become Ohioans like when these are, right. are the, the things coming up. So 100%. that's a good point. One thing that Mallory, sorry to interrupt, that's okay. uh, but Mallory's brought up like having the means to leave. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like a lot of the democratic like blue states where these things will be protected are some of the most expensive places to live right so that's another factor exactly Absolutely. and and just the cost of moving generally even so if you're moving expensive. to a place with a lower cost of living you know you're still having to pay to like or figure out how to sell your house or you know just 
up and move to a different apartment, having to pay rental fees, things like that. Um, but on the topic of like supportive parents and stuff, another there's there's so much to this bill too, and we might not have time to, to get into all of it. Um, but another thing that kind of like flagged in my brain is just being absolutely horrible is this would um, prohibit courts from considering a parent's refusal to accept a child's trans identity in custody cases, including like misgendering, dead naming, denying them access to counseling and other supports like that. Wow. So it's basically being like, okay, you could be a like a horribly like unsupportive parent to your child. And like, we're not gonna like use that as consideration for like not being, you know, a, a safe place for your child to live, essentially. Um, and yet, you know, we talk about other bills that are, like, supporting parents' rights and whatever, but, like, what if, you you know, you're a parent who, like, you believe it is your right to support your child and give them access to gender-affirming care, you know what I mean? No, no, we don't care about parents' rights in that situation, right? Yeah, and well... And it's supporting the opposite. And it's also, that's just, like, so, like, disgusting to hear, too, because there are so many young people, like, who may have, like, one supportive parent and one parent that is not so supportive, um, but then when it comes to, like, a custody battle or something, like if you have a parent that wants to provide you with this care that has now been deemed, which it hasn't, but like if this were to be put in place, it has now been deemed illegal. And then you are in the custody of your non like affirming parent, then like we're going to face the homelessness, the increased rates of homelessness mm -hmm. with LGBT youth that we already see right. like at even higher rates. And it's so funny because these are the people that are like, we care for young people. Like obviously you don't because they're going to wind up like on right. the streets, not supported. So, right. Right. Yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely evident to see how like yeah, we do see higher rates of homelessness amongst like trans youth, like any youth in the LGBT community of course, but especially trans youth. Mm -hmm. Um so just a couple quick other things, I mean not quick, but we'll we'll just touch on them. Uh the bill would also prohibit mental health professionals from diagnosing or treating a minor with gender related conditions is how it's worded in there, um including gender dysphoria, um without consent of the patient's legal guardian and screening the patient for comorbidities physical, sexual, mental abuse, and other trauma. And it would also prevent any restriction on the practice of watchful waiting, which is an approach in which medical interventions are intentionally with withheld. So it would ban the ban of watchful waiting, if that makes sense. Um, so basically what that means is like it would prevent physicians from being able to try every possible option to like you know, support this young person um, with, you know, the things that they're experiencing. And, and it would instead say, like, well, let's just, like, wait and see. Like, let's wait until they turn 18 and see if this goes away, if this is just a phase that they, you know, are feeling like they might be transgender, you know what I mean? Rather than saying, like, oh, you're trans? Okay, here's the, here's the ways that we can support you in your transition, if that's something you're wanting to pursue. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is... Uh, just also horrible is the bill would mandate that mental health professionals would have to report annually information regarding minors they've treated for gender related conditions, um, including like the number of patients, the demographic data on the patients, including their age, sex assigned at birth, and then um, the number of patients who uh, like resumed identification with their sex assigned at birth. So like conversion rates basically, you know, and also the, it just seems like such a horrific 
violation of the patient's privacy of these young people's privacy. I was going to say, is that something that like you can even like gain legal like rights to like, there's no reason that like politicians or anyone like in the political sphere should know anything about someone's personal, like, right. And it also seems like they're doing the research after making the decision. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times we want to think about like, you know, oftentimes you hear of like a solution in search of a problem. Like it seems like we're just like putting this quote unquote solution out there, um, for a problem that doesn't exist. And then looking for the research to back up, like, well, this is why we had to pass the legislation because blah, 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 you know, and, yeah. and coming up with these statistics after the fact that are also going to be skewed, right? Like, I don't want to say that this is going to be like legitimate data that they're gathering. Well, also like, even if they gathered this data that probably is, yeah, like you said, skewed, like, and what it's at lower, lower like rates than they expect or something, or it's not what they want. Like there's, st- it's not like they're going to be like, Oh, we were wrong. Right, oh, right. <laughs> Backtrack. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I think it's also interesting that they're trying to find information on detransition rates. Right. Um, because it's almost like they're so focused on it that they're suggesting that detransitioning is worse than the youth dying. Right. Because mm-hmm. we know that there are higher rates of suicide attempts, um, and just suicides with trans youth. So, you know, we have to ask the question of like, what is the cost benefit analysis of believing youth um, mm-hmm. when maybe it's not what their true identity is versus not believing them when it is their true identity? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we think of like, you know, suicide rates, that's amongst trans youth who are not supported. It's mm-hmm. not amongst youth who do receive support. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I'm not saying it's like mutually exclusive, but like, you know, the suicide rates of people who are supported, who, you know, might decide like, Oh, you know, I, I might not be a hundred percent certain on this. You know what I mean? But like if parents support their young person through and and not just parents too, but like teachers and other Mm -hmm. adults and people in the young person's life, if they support them through all facets of their just exploration of self, you know, cause that's part of being a a young person is being Mm -hmm. able to like, you know, figure out who you are and and needing support as that's happening. So if you want to stay up to date with this legislation or just kind of like figure out how you can push back against it, we absolutely will be keeping people up to date on, um, you know, hearings that arise in the future. You can follow us on social media at KYC Ohio, and you can also check out our website at visit kycohio.org slash advocacy and we'll be updating that with action items as well. Um, But as far as like if you are just feeling stir crazy and frustrated like a lot of us right now and you're wanting to take action, um, you can always contact your legislators at any time. Um, I mentioned the two committees but just as a refresher, um, House Bill 6, the transgender athlete ban, um, that is in, let me check my notes, that's in the House Higher Education Committee, the Ohio House higher education committee. And then House Bill 68, the gender affirming care ban, um, that's in the Ohio House Health and Human Services Committee. And you can find that on the legislature's website. It would be on the um, ohiohouse.gov website. You can find a list of committees and the members of those committees. I would say those are the people who you should contact first, just telling them like, don't have a hearing on this bill. I want you to, you know, not move this bill forward. These are some asks that you can give to them and anybody can do this. A young person, you can do this like, you know, pretty anonymously as well. You can, I mean, you can not anonymously, but you can 
fill this in in the website itself. Like you don't even have to open up an email from your email address. So if you're a young person who's worried about like, oh, I don't want my parent to see that I did this, like mm -hmm. you're doing it right from the website. It wouldn't show up in your Gmail, for instance. Um, you can also call your state legislator, tell them not to pass this legislation. Um, and you can just, you know, tell people in your life about it. If you're somebody who's in a, like an affirming um, family or, you know, affirming friend groups and stuff, just like talking to people in your life, like, hey, you should call your state senator, you should contact them um, and, and not support this legislation. So um, when there's opportunities to testify, we'll obviously keep people in the loop and, you know, give support on um, writing testimony. But if you have any questions about that, you can also reach out to uh, my email address, which is mallory at kycohio.org. One thing I do um, want to plug real quick is that Equality Ohio has information on writing testimony and submitting it on their website. Mm -hmm. So if maybe you want to get involved but you don't know the words to use or how to phrase things, definitely check out their website for help. Yeah, their, their resources are, are very robust and I definitely recommend that too. Thank you for plugging that, Lane. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit because I know the talk of legislation can be pretty heavy and I want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves here too. Um, March, which is when you're probably listening to this, is Women's History Month. And March is also um, capstoned with Trans Day of Visibility, which is March 31st. So that's exciting as well. Um, since, you know, the early 1900s, since around 1911, um, March um, 8th has been observed as International Women's Day. And then since like the late 1980s, the entire month of March has been observed as Women's History Month. So um, the last day of March was designated as Trans Day of Visibility in 2009. That was the first year it was celebrated um, by transgender activist Rachel Crandall Crocker. Um, her idea was to create a day that celebrated trans joy since at the time, as many of you may have heard of, um, the only day that was recognizing the experiences and identities of trans, non-binary, and other gender expansive people was Transgender Day of Remembrance. And this day, which is observed in November, um, honors and mourns the lives of transgender folks who have been killed. Um, so I think it's especially important that as we're thinking about Women's History Month, um, we're also honoring trans women's lives and experiences as well, because as we all know, those are experiences that are often overlooked or not considered to be like, so to speak, legitimate women's experiences. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about like Women's History Month. Let's talk about how to, uh, to honor the lives and experiences of trans women during this month. Can I say one thing just really quick? It's been something that's been coming up on my social media a lot recently. Um, and I wish I could like plug the person that said this because I don't remember, but there's been a lot of, uh, discourse around the idea of like cisgender women saying, I don't want to be called cis. Don't call me cis. I'm like, I'm an ally for the LGBT community, but like, don't call me cis. I'm a woman. And like, that is a, that's a turf mentality because in that, that thought process, you're making the, the mental decision to view trans women um, as like a subcategory of womanhood, mm -hmm. like transness as a subcategory of womanhood. And so then you see cis and you're like, well, that's a subcategory of woman, which is not correct. And I, if I can find the, um, creator that I saw that like, ex like said this, I will mm -hmm. like, let you know, and we can like put that in like the little description. Um, but I think when we're thinking about, um, trans women and having this conversation, it's important, especially for cisgender people to remember that like 
transness and being a trans woman is not a subcategory of womanhood. Like mm-hmm. that, like you can be a cisgender woman or a trans woman. You are both equally women. It's yeah. just like how you manage to like get there, but like you are both equally women. Um, and I just think that's like an important thing to mention. So for sure. And I think I want to backtrack before we get too deep in this conversation, you used a phrase in there, turf turf mentality. Let's, let's explain this because I think there's some people who have maybe seen this used, whether on social media or another discourse in person. Um, turf stands for, it's an acronym like most things are, um, trans exclusionary radical feminist is what that is. So that essentially is like, um, women who are saying like, yeah, exactly. Hysteria just described that like, you know, I'm a feminist, but like transgender women, aren't women is, is the crux of their argument. So when we're saying don't be a turf, that's, that's what we mean. (laughs) Basically meaning let's accept trans women and understand that they are women. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that comes up for me in this month, thinking about womanhood is what is it? Mm. Um, because as somebody who is trans mask myself, I've always wondered what is it about womanhood that doesn't like jive with me? doesn't feel good. Um, and the more I thought about it, like, there really is no correct way to define womanhood or to experience womanhood. Um, and I told Mallory about this book a while back that I'm reading. Um, it's called like frequently asked questions about the universe. And in it, they talk about the likelihood that there are other people exactly like you down to like every DNA fiber is exactly the same within our universe. And so there is kind of a 50-50 chance that there is either only one of you within the universe exactly like you, or there's an infinite number of people exactly like you. And so <laughs> let's, when we're thinking about womanhood, everybody's definition is going to be different. So either it's just you thinking womanhood is one way, or there's an infinite number of people that believe exactly the same thing as you do. And so either way, like it doesn't matter. There's you're you're the one defining it for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly why that right. argument connected. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting. Yeah, you're right because like, and then when you're thinking about because I could sit here and ask us to all define womanhood how we define it, and it might take a minute to come up with an answer. So I'm not going to put everyone on the spot right now. But like, how many of those things that we would ex- like describe that we'd use in our, our explanation? are attributes that are rooted in like misogyny, Mm -hmm. you know, like reproductive capabilities, reproductive capabilities. Yeah. Or that aren't just rooted in like someone who's like in touch with their feelings and somebody who's like really soft and loving and nurturing and motherly and, um, you know, loves to cook and clean and take care. You know what I mean? We could start to say some of these things and like so much of that is rooted in the patriarchy and in misogyny. Yeah. There's no one quality that all women are going to share. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why, like, trying to define womanhood is uh, moot. Yeah. We're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, there's just something, like, <laughs> this might not even, like, need to go on the podcast, but, like, there is just something, like, ethereal about womanhood and there's something I think that is so resilient within womanhood and, like, not that that is, like, my definition and, again, people may, like, of course feel differently, but we do live in a society that is like, like that is founded in misogyny and like in the patriarchy. And so to have women continue to show up for themselves and for one another, like, and, and like there's strength in that. And that's something that I think, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, should be noted in this month. 
And I think like the internal misogyny too, I was actually having a conversation with a couple of young people at the drop-in center um, last week about this, about like, you know, the, the internal misogyny that we carry and how that's impacting like one of the young people's experiences, like coming out as trans and like grappling with like these feelings they thought like, oh, you know, when I come out, like, you know, I'm just going to be like a woman. I'm not going to be feeling like there's anything holding me back, but yet there's some misogyny that they still carry that is like impacting, Mm -hmm. you know, their transition and also just like self-acceptance too. And I, I had to jump in and say like, no, like I also feel that way. Like as a cis woman, like I also carry some of that misogyny of like, maybe I, you know, whether that's like self-doubt too, which I think is its own beast to, mm-hmm. to deal with, but some of that self-doubt being rooted in misogyny, like, oh, there's no way that I could be doing this thing, like, you know, running for office that, oh, there's no way that people would vote for me because mm-hmm. I am a woman, you know what I mean? Because I am a lesbian. And so that is rooted in misogyny. Like there's so many layers to it as well, but like, yeah. I, uh, yeah, that reminds me that I'm like kind of going on a tangent now. Um, kind of, we understand as a society that like, people come out as trans mask and they don't get as much pushback on it as people mm-hmm. who come out as trans femme do. Mm-hmm. And somebody explained it to me like this, like when you pursue masculinity, when you transition into like a more mask state, you're trying to accept the power that comes with the patriarchy with masculinity in our society. But when you are transitioning to be more feminine you are kind of throwing off the privilege that you were born with Mm -hmm. and so people don't understand why would you want to get rid of masculinity Mm -hmm. of manhood when it's kind of the ideal the top tier Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's that's absolutely like a, a facet of that conversation that we were having as well and I just think it's it's, it's just so many added barriers and it's not even, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, well, it's something that's only experienced by cis people or only experienced by trans people, but it's something that affects everybody, regardless of how you identify, regardless of the sex you were assigned at birth, like misogyny and transphobia and, you know, the patriarchy generally. And also like, I mean, this conversation could extend into racism. Like this affects everybody, not just people who embody these identities. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is, you know, definitely thought-provoking. I'm definitely going to be walking away from this wondering, like, what is womanhood? What defines Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be something as, like, I don't know if anyone has ever told this, but, like, when you got your first period, like, oh, you're a woman now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's just jarring. It's jarring regardless because, you know, so many people are getting their periods at such young ages. Like, no, like, elementary school student wants to think like, oh, I'm a woman now, you know? Well, I was going to say like, you have the talk quote unquote, like you have the talk in like fourth or fifth grade. Like those are children. Like those are, those are kids. Right. And like, ah, yeah. Adults being like, you're no, don't even, that is a, that is a minor. (laughs) Like just leave it at that. And, And it's also implying that like these biological functions that this person embodies, like that, that is indicative of, their gender. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's not, you know, we're not saying like, Oh, you can reproduce now. It's like, no, no, you are a woman. It's equating those two things together, you know? So when we're talking about like what makes womanhood again, beating over the head, the fact that like, no, no, your ability to reproduce that defines you as a woman. Yeah. And not all women have uteruses. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And not all people with uteruses are women. The the reverse of that as well. Yeah. I saw a comic by uh, Sophie LaBelle that was like, not all women have penises and that's okay. Right. I also want to say um, just thanks for having me in the space. Uh, I feel like 
I identify as queer, but I'm also able to, like, I feel like able to understand that there are, like, some conversations and some spaces that don't necessarily, like, center my voice and don't, and, and it's not up to me to be kind of um, leading the conversation. So I just want to say thanks for um, having me in this space, like, and uh, yeah. kind of just hearing your experiences were really, uh, uh, really just appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, of course. We love it that you're here. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I think it's important for us to have all sorts of different identities, experiences, like part of these conversations, because mm-hmm. again, like just because it's not an identify an identity that you identify with doesn't mean it doesn't impact your life in some way. And this is the yeah. case, not just for the four of us sitting here, but all of the listeners as well. Yeah. So what are some ways that you can think of that we can, you know, center trans femme experiences like this month and always, you know, I'm thinking like, are there any books or movies or like music people you can follow on social media? Mm. I'm seeing Daria light up. I'm going to you first. Um, I'll just say I am like the biggest fan for uh, the TikToker Violet Stanza. She is just wonderful. Like just, I mean, just like as a human being. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of want to plug her. I just get so much joy from watching those videos. So. Right. Um, I know somebody that we've probably all come across, which is Dylan Mulvaney, Mm -hmm. um, and she's kind of going through her transition publicly, which is so fun to watch and to to see her light up and embody her full self, and also recognize that when people transition, it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. It's so inaccessible. Um, And also, you don't have to medically transition to be a -hmm. woman or to be whatever it is you identify as. So, like always supporting our trans community members and also recognizing that they're not going to get it perfect and mm-hmm. their experiences aren't representative of most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think um, kind of going off of that, just like following folks online and just um, especially like for me, um, like I'll, I like to have a lot of videos on in the background when I'm like working or doing mm-hmm. something. So I'm um, finding like different queer and trans folks um, that like they might just be talking about um, like movie recommendations or um, watching them do their makeup while they're talking mm-hmm. about like their day or anything. But just um, I think just finding folks that um, connect and realizing that like folks are everywhere. So like mm-hmm. there's different ways to like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the recommendation, if I can, the, the recommendation I'll plug is um, the show Pose. On It's on Hulu now. It's on Netflix, Netflix for a while. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, but if you haven't watched it, you need to. I'm re-watching it with my partner right now, and I just am being reminded of just, like, there's definitely hard conversations that are happening. The, the show takes place um, in New York City um, in the like late 80s, early 90s to mid 90s. Um, so this is happening like during the AIDS crisis, like the height of the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a lot of that. But I think it's also important to like see that portrayed in pop culture and to talk about it as opposed to like pretending that it didn't happen. Um, and the other thing that I just absolutely love is the cast of this show. It's a lot of like, um, black and Hispanic Latina, uh, trans women who are just absolutely every single character in the show just about, and it's just, there's so much joy in it. Just seeing them like the, the concept of chosen family that is just prevalent all throughout the show. It's just, you can't watch it and not cry during that <laughs> episode one way or another. Perfect. It's definitely a show that is geared more toward like a mature audience. So if you're a young person and listening to this, just like be aware that there's some, um, you know, heavier themes that are explored in there, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch it. You know, you can use your own discretion. 
that actually reminds me. There's like three more shows that you made me think of. Please, yeah. Um, so we've got Heartstopper on yes. Netflix, mm-hmm. um, which is the love story of two gay young men. Um, but then one of the characters is a black trans feminine person. And what I really love about that show is they don't make a big deal out of it. Right. Like it's just kind of a detail that you get as the story progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is, I think it's like Telephone Girls. Hmm. Um, I don't, oh my gosh, I totally have gotten the name wrong. But it's about, it's like set in Spain in the 1920s. And so you can get like an English dub over it, but it is originally in Spanish. And it's just like women who work the telephone operating lines and they're kind of revolutionaries. Oh. And you get like one character who comes out as a lesbian and it's so looked down upon, but then you realize she's actually, you know, transitioning to be more masculine. Um, and they kind of leave you in this liminal space, which is really cool to see them play with trans, like that expression back then. That was, we've oh. been there all along. Yeah. I love that. I've never heard That's of that awesome. one. I'll have to yeah. check it out. And then my last one is just Laverne Cox on Orange is the New Black. Sure. Yep. yep. Classic. <laughs> yeah, it's also a classic. Isaiah, were you going to say something too? Um, or? Well, I guess um, one thing that hearing you one thing hearing your recommendation um, may come back to my mind was the, the seminal doc, uh, Paris is Burning. Mm. Um, so I used to watch that like almost every Friday night. <laughs> I love that. High school or college. But, um, it's, I mean, there's some um, conversations around kind of like how it came to be and all of that, um, but it, but as an entry point into kind of understanding like blackness and queerness and like transness, um, I think in womanhood, mm-hmm. um, it's a really interesting in, so yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This is definitely going to be something that I turn to this month and also just always. I'm always yeah. down for good queer media that I should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I, I think, you know, to just kind of wrap up these conversations that we've had today, like, let's let, let's talk about, like, you know, ways that we can find joy. Like, what? let's end this on, like, one thing you're doing for yourself right now that is is giving you joy. Mm-hmm. Just because there's a lot of heaviness in these conversations around legislation. And no matter where you're listening to this from, whether it's from Ohio or any other state in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, like, whether it's legislation surrounding, like, anti-LGBT policies or just anything in the news, it seems like it's hard to catch a break. So let's end with, like, one thing that we're doing for ourselves to find joy and then we, we can wrap up. It's called Cable Girls, the TV show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it, I'll, I'll go first. So the thing that I'm doing right now is uh, Mallory's kind of poked me into all of her hobbies. So I'm now <laughs> swimming and running. Um, but then I just think one of my favorite things to do ever is to just walk the dog through mm-hmm. my neighborhood and to see people living their lives and the beauty of everything that is downtown Columbus. I love that. Uh, so for me, I um, I still have my my iPod from high school. Oh, I love that. <laughs> like a um, so like a very curated like collection of music that I liked when I was like thirteen to fifteen. I love like, that. All of that. So every now and then I'll just go back to that and like like have all those memories come back and just like oh, have yeah. those super cheesy like oh I was so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yep. 
yeah. I love that so yeah. much. Sometimes I wish I still had my old iPod shuffle <laughs> and, and the exact playlist that I listened to when I had it, but I, I would never be able to create that. And now I'm just again. picturing both of you like in the backseat of a car on a rainy day, like well, staring I also, out the window in your main character moment. <laughs> I also need to point out that Isaiah and I are both July cancers, so this is no surprise that they and I are both like, oh yeah, we're going to go listen to our old music and feel our feels. <laughs> like That is on brand. I will say, speaking of being a water sign, I'm a Pisces, so I'm also like all in my feelings all the time. So I think for me, I'm just trying more so to like, I guess, continue to like curate my like very angsty music taste. Like I love, and Lane hates it. Yeah, if you're not watching the video, you just heard my eyes roll. Um, I love like angsty, whiny, <laughs> like emo music. Um, and so I've just been, I think, like expanding that. Um, and like I, the, the past year I found a band that is now one of my absolute favorites, but they broke up in 2017. Mm. So I'm feeling my angsty feelings about them not being together. And then my, my like favorite band of all time just released a new album on February 10th. So I've just been listening to that to take care of myself. I love that. Yeah, and I guess Lane took my answer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, swimming, running. I actually just signed up for a 5K swim event wow. in Chicago Ooh. in September, which I'm really excited about. It's um, Big Shoulders. If there are any swimmers out there listening to this, you may have heard of it already. So I guess my form of self-care is just going to be like sw swimming extreme distances. But I think I'm just also going to plug the weather again, just how mm -hmm. just absolutely uh, joyous it is to have sunshine, especially if you're from Ohio. You know that... There's many gray days that we have to endure, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I just yeah. want to put an asterisk on Mallory's happy thing um, <laughs> because she's going to be swimming a 5K, three miles in in the Michigan Lake, Lake Michigan, Michigan. yeah, and oh. the Chicago side, which is like if you've seen it in the winter, it looks so angry, like it could just eat you up. And Mallory's just going to go like tee hee, swim. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, yeah. So anyway, if you don't have any, if I'm not on the podcast after September 9th, just assume that <laughs> you know it what happened. Nice knowing you, like Michigan, I did succumb to that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is supposed to be a wow, joy and, and not a good thing. <laughs> supposed to be a joy thing. Anyway, thank you all for listening to this episode of Speaking Clearly. Um, if you have any suggestions for future topics, or if you have any questions you'd like us to address in future episodes, please send an email to Mallory at kycohio.org and. As always, be sure to um, follow us, subscribe on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, share this episode with a friend, um, follow KYC on social media so you can stay up to date with the goings on here at KYC, other legislation, and just other things happening in the community. We are doing a lot. We are. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.